Welcome to episode 56 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm the other host, Mr. Paul Robinson. Welcome to the podcast today. Ooh, that's my smooth, voices. yeah, that's my smooth radio voice. Welcome to the podcast tonight. How are you? How are you? Tired? I'm it's hungry. Morning. It's early morning, so we have our morning voices. I'm hungry. Yeah, and I'm not usually hungry. I don't do. I don't do breakfast. I love breakfast. I'm a big breakfast person. Good for you, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! And then and then to you know have some breakfast and then more storyboarding. Some breakfast and then some storyboarding. Because my storyboarding can't be simple, of course. Nothing you do is simple, my friend. I w- I wish I could draw. Draw. But I can't draw. But I have a background in 3D, so that aids in my storyboarding. I still think there's probably a way less artistic way of getting this done, but you're since you do since you do the the D's, mm-hmm. then you have to like make a whole production of it. You'd have it no other way. <clears throat> well, there's uh, a there's a lot of benefits to that, you know, especially yeah. for me because what are we talking about today, by the way. <laughs> you just getting right into it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, tell us about your experience. Well, first off, we should say that our crowdfunding is still going. Seven days. Yeah. Seven days to not make any more money. Yeah. Come on. It's the last push this week. We're going to talk about that next week. Yeah. When it's over, just the whole experience. Yeah. The things that we've learned, which we won't get into now. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. But for now, please go and support if you can. Give mm-hmm. it a share if you can't donate or have already. That would be very, very lovely of you. Thank very you. Helpful. Thank you. Um, so that's a vitalsign.com or you can search a vital sign on Indiegogo. Indiegogo. Go go. Indiegogo Gorilla. <laughs> Great. Why don't you go to your point? Okay. So storyboarding. Mm-hmm. So when I storyboard, I'm, you know, usually you would think about the shot you want and you draw it out. You know, and then that would be, and then you would just do a series of that. But with the advent of 3D and my experience in it, I'm able to kind of recreate the location in three dimensions. <laughs> and then I can use a virtual camera and see based on the space, because we, you know, we've talked about how we went out there and measured it. So we went out there and measured it. So I've modeled it to scale. So I can see where the camera can fit. I can see where lights can fit and, you know, how this shot will look with this lens, um, which is extremely helpful, obvi. Um, So when I do my storyboarding, I'm basically making the movie in 3D Mm -hmm. as an animatic. and um, Which doesn't take a crap load of time at all. It does, but luckily we have a lot of time. So I can, we can really like, and then, so then when it comes to shooting time, I know. (laughs) Shooting time. Shooting time. When it comes to production, I know exactly where everything needs to be. And I know the camera can fit there versus just, thinking, oh, I want this shot, but then my lens isn't wide enough or the lighting isn't working or whatever. Because that's the other aspect of it is lighting, right? So you utilizing the three dimensions, I can uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can bring in bring in lights and see you know, roughly what this light will do or what that light will do and where it should be to kind of get the look I want. And then to that- be fair, this is a, a technique that most people in our um category and level mm-hmm. i don't think would really bother to do because it requires a knowledge of 3d programming mm-hmm. um so it's it's a benefit for you mm-hmm. us but it's also very time consuming and it you're is. also a bit 
anal retentive. So you're like, it's not just, oh, these are the dimensions of the room. Then you have to create a 3D model of every effing thing that's on the wall as if that matters. But you create the whole room. Look, there was a picture 13 centimeters to the right of this door. Well, that's There was a rug. It was an Afghan rug, just so you know, it's maroon. I have to find the right color maroon. I mean, like it could take less time if you literally just built the room and the dimensions. And, you know, it's like, this is this person. This is the, then you go into the characters and you try to find 3D models of people that look similar to us. And then you adjust their weight and or shapes. And it's like, good grief. Well, the height thing is important. The height is one thing, but, you know, like it, yeah. you, you're just really weird with that stuff. And if yeah. we didn't have time, I would be drop kicking you in the throat right now for wasting time. But since we do... Well, I we just let you have at it. <laughs> like, let me know when you get the room done so that I can well, see if we what didn't you have, have. If we didn't have time, I would, you know, adjust accordingly to get it done. But um, since we do have the time and because on the day we're going to be so strapped for time, I want to be as prepared as possible. And um, so setting all that stuff up ahead of time allows, gives me the flexibility to also find the best camera angle, you know, and to find the best composition and having stuff in the scene that represents the same ish color that allows me to figure out what color of stuff I want them wearing and, and you know, all that stuff. And, and because I use um, a third party render engine called octane, it's octane. Octane. it's pretty, it's pretty robust in that it looks, they're not our sponsors by the way, but they can, be. but they can be, uh, but it, it looks, it does, it, it, it simulates lighting like it, happens in the real world now it's not perfect but it's pretty darn close and it allows me to um know like all right well if we shoot upstairs at this time of day the light coming through the window will look approximately like this and then i'll then i'll know what other supplemental lighting i'll need to kind of fill out the space and uh, but the average person again in our position is not going to have is is not going to have access to this not going to be able to do this so Mm -hmm. what but i'm not average (laughs) you're not you know, a lot of things, my friend, yeah. like normal, <laughs> and I'd have it no other way, sir. Yeah. Um, what What do you do then? Well, I mean, I can go so far. I as... mean, you didn't always do this. You just no. started. You just started this nonsense <laughs> like two yeah. years ago. Before that, there were actual pictures Fic- on paper, stick like stick figures, mm-hmm. and like window go here, camera yeah. go there. Yeah. Which you know isn't as detailed, obviously. Yeah, I don't know. It's spoiled with it like i couldn't you spoiled with your tenacity uh, yeah and your your uh your gusto to learn mm-hmm. these programs yeah well i mean i i first thing i did is i made a shot list i want to jump over that point the shot list is very important for me because then if all else fails i'll know i'll go through the script so this is when i, I become more analog like you in that <laughs> when i'm going through a script i need it on paper yes i can't have i can't go through a I am um, not earth friendly in that way. Yeah. I love me some paper. Mm-hmm. I need stuff so right I'll, in front of me. I'll go through the script and while I'm reading it, I can visualize all the shots that I want and then I'll start writing them down. And then I'll and then I'll print that. So I'll have my shot list of all the shots that I think I want. And then I'll go through the storyboard and do those shots and figure out if they actually work. And then um, it also can help with pacing, right? So if I know like, we're going to have this shot and this shot and this shot. I can actually start constructing the scene and seeing like if I need another shot or if this, if this is working for the scene, Yeah, you know, and then you get to come in the last minute and say, this all nope. sucks. <laughs> Change it. 
I don't like this. I don't like this. I want this mm-hmm. here. I don't like this. But I think it's I think it's important, you know, pre-production step that we've often kind of not skipped over, but we kind of rushed because we were just so eager to get f- to filming. But having the I think it's just also that, you know, our our circumstances are always different. We don't have really a crew. So we're always hitting different sort of obstacles mm-hmm. as we went along. And so then, you know, story for me, storyboarding is helpful because I'm not technical. I'm I'm a a subcategory hack co-director. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't usually because I'm in the film, I can't stand there and actually direct, but I do we sort of direct together in a, in in ways. And so that helps me because I'm I'm not going to be able to be behind the camera the whole time. So I want to know what you're looking at mm-hmm. beforehand and say, okay, this is that when I wrote it, I imagined it X, Y, and Z. Is there is this an aesthetic choice or does this have to be because of lighting that you're positioning yeah. the scene this way or whatever? Um so that's just helpful for me to be able to see it so that the day of I'm not like, what are you doing? That's not that's not what I envisioned in my brain that you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, in your brain didn't connect with mine telepathically. And uh, why is, you know, there's just, there, we, we have no time for these arguments on set. There's just no time. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the, um, that's always tricky too, is when, you know, you have everything meticulously storyboarded and then you get on set and you have to be ready to throw it all away because it's not working. So um, you have to stay flexible that way, but, uh, and find creative solutions to still get the shot that you want to, to that's best to serve the story. Um, Because my big thing for this film is going to be a lot of the ancillary shots. Somebody's been looking through the dictionary (laughs) this week. Just the little filler shots here and there that kind of help round out the story, so you're not going scene, 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 scene. And I think having transitions and and um, those sort of things really help kind of pull the story together visually. Yeah, um, it's not generally something that we've done a lot in the past because we've, everything we've shot has been so everything we've shot is so like one location or it's really short because we don't have mm-hmm. a lot of money or and, time or time and mostly this, time. Yeah, mostly time. So with this one. We're going all out, so we want to make sure that. And hey, I'd rather spend two hours on a shot that I think will work to to end up throwing it away than to like not get a shot and need one. We differ a bit mm-hmm. on that a lot. We differ a bit a lot yeah. on that because I don't want to waste two hours on a shot. No, this is just if we have the time. It's not like wasting money time. It's just I say nay. You've yeah. never worked with you before. Yeah, you get. See, we, we've all got our little quirks, right? Mm-hmm. And yours, if I may. <laughs> you may. <laughs> is that you are completely and utterly obsessive and unable to let go of a shot that isn't working. Whereas you'd think it would be me because I, I wrote something and we'd be like, no, no, I want it this way. No freaking way. I'm just like, this. I, I so wanted that shot. I love that. It's not happening. What else can we do? Let's think of something else. I want there's got to be another shot. In that, um, I may I may have jumped over the opportunity to have nailed the shot because I'm afraid that we're going to waste time because it's not working right away. And then maybe I get a shot that I wouldn't have liked as much. So it's mm-hmm. a gamble. But so that's where I, I kind of have to, like, as soon as I see that happening, I want to ditch the shot because I'm like, we're going to run out of time. So between us, we have no... And you're just like, listen, 
what, let's just say we spent seven hours trying to get this one shot. Let's just say that happened, right? And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like we have so much to film. You get really obsessive and and you want to get it right. And there's just no time for that. Especially for me, if it's not an important, like really relevant thing, I'm like, just junk it. Even Mm. as the writer, I'm like, junk it. I'll think of something else. Like give me five minutes. I'll think of another scene because this is not working. There's, There's really no time for that at all. Yeah. So between us, there's no middle ground of like giving up on a shot. You know, it's either we give up or we never give up. We'll spend the whole goddamn day there's, lighting it. We're not spending the whole goddamn day <laughs> lighting anything, just so as you know. Yeah. And it's not it's not only just lighting. It's also like this was related to to, to writing. But when we did the teaser, um, I've gotten this question a lot where people are like, it's so crazy that you guys work together. How are you not divorced? Mm. Or like. Uh, a former married couple that still make films together because you like each other as friends, but it just didn't work out because you wanted to kill each other as yeah. partners. Um, that there's always this that moment on set where I'm just like, he's doing it again, he's and then I have to try to find. Well, it was just us and um, Ryan Allred right. for yeah. for the most part, actually. But um, this is where, like, on set when there's a bunch of people where I have to make like social cues at you and -hmm. like lift my eyebrows a certain way, which means meet me in the other room. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just like, what are you doing? (laughs) Meet me in the library. Too much time on the show. Yeah, but I want to get this. I understand that. I understand that. But do you see that we don't have time? We don't have time for this. So we have like our little mini meetings Mm -hmm. where we have to kind of get on the same page because no matter how in sync you are with a person, there's still two different people. Mm Mm-hmm. With two different ideas. Yeah. So that's that's going to be fun. I can't wait to make social cues at you in front of a room full of cast and crew. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the benefit of, I think uh, one of the big things that led to a lot of those situations is not having a crew to, you know, I'm doing every, literally doing everything. Yeah. But this so one I specific having... thing that you were trying to do, I think even with a crew, it just wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. It was a, It was a shot that, we didn't even really need, I was just like, it was a shot that, that I thought of and I'm like, oh, this would be cool. But then once I saw the lighting, I was like, oh, it's not going to work. And you were like, hold on. I think I could spend an hour and a half on this. <laughs> like, but that no, just really means we need to. to buy more lighting, I think. It wasn't an issue of it. You know how many times we've seen this in sets that had lighting, that had huge budgets? Shit happens and lighting doesn't always work. It just mm-hmm. doesn't always work. Sometimes it's not going to, to sort of fall into place. And you've got to either accept that the lighting's going to look like shit, it's going to be blown out, or there's going to be weird shadows everywhere, or you just cut it out. Yeah. I'm just ready to cut it out. You were like, you went on a tape, <laughs> a gaffer tape frenzy, and well, you idea, were trying 101 so, ways to tape this damn So the idea of the on. shot was just like a, a, a do, um, slider into a window frame, basically, and there door. was something, well, do, yeah. door frame with a window in it, and there was something hanging from there. So, you know, we had to ND the window because, well, first of all, we wanted to do it without NDing the window and just bringing up the ambient light of the room. Didn't work. Didn't work because our, you know, our lights aren't bright enough. And then, so we're like, oh, right, we'll just ND the window and then, you know, we'll, and then we'll, our lights will be able to brighten the scene. So we were just trying all this stuff and then getting the... It's just, you know, the, the ND didn't fit the window. So we had to like have a seam and we were trying to hide the seam. And it was just, it was just a nightmare. You were trying to hide I was the trying. To, I was and, like, oh, there's Ryan a seam? Forget it. We were trying to hide it. the seam and it just wasn't working. So we did end up abandoning. I mean, we shot it a couple of times. It just didn't look good. But yeah, that's, that's tough because um, in my head, it's just, 
there's it's just we're just one solution away from getting it always you know like mm. well if we just do this we do this, do this and do this it'll work in my head you know like that'll 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 work and sometimes it does um and that's great and sometimes it doesn't and unfortunately when it doesn't work it's like negative comments right so if you if i do this 10 times and three times it doesn't work well then it, it's it it just, just sours that whole concept you know yeah so it's tricky you're weird yeah but you know that said hopefully um we can we'll be able to you know having gone up there and shot once for the teaser it's kind of armed us with you know the ability of knowing how the light falls in that place during the day how you know because it's a very compact space it's not super small but it's pretty compact so the the lights the windows you know the light doesn't have a lot of room to bounce around There's a lot of dark colors in the room so the the windows being blown out is more of an issue here than it would be in say like our own home mm. so that is something that we're going to have to constantly battle but you know i think with the with the uh, teaser we were able to get a lot of those shots to work and we'll have more lighting equipment for the actual shoot so i think it'll be good we'll see how it goes yeah so um it's a hodgepodge today it just yeah. Oh, but I, I do want to, so I have some more storyboard things to say. Oh, Jesus, here we go. <clears throat> so this is kind of like a shout out and th- this, pr- this is not, we're, we're not sponsored by this person or this, whatever, or anyone, anyone, <laughs> but I wanted to give a shout out because there's this guy, his name is Matt Workman and he, so I, so to your point, I build all this stuff in 3D because I have a background in it because I also do motion graphics and stuff so that that's good for me, but not everybody has that ability. So this guy, Matt Workman in um developed this game called Cinetracer. Mm-hmm. So it basically takes 3D game engines and allows you to storyboard inside there. So if you could play a game on the computer, then you can storyboard. And so with the advancement of the games Clever. and and lighting and and I think he uses Unreal Engine, you can place lights and it'll be pretty accurate because there's a lot of ray tracing going on. Um you know depending if you have like a good enough video card and everything. Um and it's the stuff looks really, really nice. And um, I'm waiting for the ability to like import my own things because I don't know how the scaling works on it yet. Mm. I don't know like if I wanted to build out um, uh, this, if I wanted to take the measurements of the house and build it out in this game, can I do that? You know, I don't know yet. Mm. So, um, but for anybody that um, wants to like get into storyboarding that way and isn't like a 3D artist, I would check out Cinetracer. It's really fantastic. Cool. Yeah. So Hopefully shout out, shout out, out to them for doing something to help us make storyboards faster. Yeah. Well, gaming's so big, so. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows how to game. And so weave it. Yeah, um, but he does have a lot of pre-built assets. You know, he's got cameras and lights and characters and you know walls and buildings and he's got a daylight system and yeah, it's pretty cool. Sounds very helpful. So check it out. It's on uh, Steam. Cinetracer. <laughs> It's on yes, do check that out. Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't want to have to like learn learn Cinema 4D or yeah. Maya or something. Octane, Octane. <laughs> Hopefully, this would be a little bit easier to actually grasp and yeah. and but just as helpful. Yeah, because I would be I would totally be using that right now, but I've already modeled out this house and everything. So, <laughs> but I already did it the hard way. So yeah. I'm going to stick to I'm going to stick to my guns. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we haven't really had time to watch many shows since last week. Um, we usually, recently, we're like binging four things at once. Yeah. That was kind of stupid of us, I guess. 
um, because it, we talked about everything in one shot. Um, so not really much. We've been continuing with The Handmaid's Tale. I've had a couple people say that they fell off, and I'm like, why? Well, I do feel like this season, I'm just like, I don't know. Everything felt like this season would be the season that shit would go down. But mm. I just feel like it's... I think that shit shit was going down the first two seasons, like kind of left and right. And there was there was no backstory. Everybody wants stuff to constantly be happening. But, you know, some of us like a backstory on especially these people who are, are quite pivotal to one another. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything about who they were before this, which is really important when you're judging the character. And you're yeah. thinking, okay, why are they doing this? Why are they this way? Have they always been this way? And then there's certain people that you're like, there's no way this person was ever a good person. And then you're like, yeah, I was right. (laughs) You see their backstory. Oh, yes, get it. Now, totally makes sense why they would take that position in in this uh, society, if you will. I like it. I, I actually felt like there was too much going on too fast in the other seasons. It was like one thing after another. And I'm like, how is she, how have they not murdered her yet? I don't understand. She keeps doing things that they they kill people for way less. And it's mm -hmm. like, she seems to be untouchable, but obviously that's the, you know, she's the antagonist and Mm -hmm. they, they're, they have to keep her alive. The show is about her. I get it. Um, but I actually like this season. I like that they're kind of going back. And, um, I think the only thing that I found a little bit strange was that, that Mr. Waterford Mm -hmm. seemed to be such a stone in your shoe kind of guy. And then for like this brief period, he kind of softened with her. And I was like, where did this come from? I don't know where that came from or what the, what his, the incentive was there with him. Yeah, because they had that one, the one episode where he actually let her go see her daughter and. Yeah, he was like a real bastard through most of the first two seasons. And then somewhere here, I don't don't know what's going on, but I mean, he's still an asshole. Um, But I'm still, I at least am still enjoying the show and where it's going. I think it does need, like we need to wrap this up next season. Mm -hmm. This is something that, uh, this is a a perfect segue into my next topic, which is when to stop, right? And then you're going to have people that are like, no, keep going for 14 years. Let's make it like, let's not only not end it like Walking Dead, let's do like 14 spinoffs of the same exact show. Mm -hmm. And then we'll like, we'll take some of the minor characters from the main show and throw them in there every so often so that it never ends. Eh. Mm. it's going to depend on how popular it is you know um hulu doesn't have like a ton of huge hits right now so this is their big one and they don't want to they won't want to end it until they have something else that is drawing people to such a gamble though right because you can go from you can kill it you can kill it and then Mm -hmm. people don't even want to see what happens in the last season Mm -hmm. because you're just dragging it out for too long yeah so i don't know i i say just like let's get one more season and wrap this up yeah I would be good. With I agree with the motivations, seasons. though. I feel like even Mrs. Waterford, too, you know, she. I almost liked her. Not really liked her, right. but I was almost like, okay, she might come around. And then yeah. I was like, you asshole. It's like she's willing to let the kid go. And then now she's like trying to get her back. It's like, well, you let her go. Like, just because you saw the kid, well, you've been seeing the kid forever. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. really understand it, you know. Uh, so some of their motivations are, to me, seem a bit forced because they want to keep the story going mm-hmm. um, i don't know how the book like i have yeah, I like know i don't know book. how true to the the story it goes in that aspect but um on that note i will get into the uh big little lies controversy that 
that just took place. I watched the first season. It was a show that I didn't think I was going to like because um, I, I guess like the the cast was like I could take them or leave them. You know, there was there was nobody in there that I was like, oh, my God, I have to see this. You know, it was mm-hmm. just like, all right, you know, and good actors and all. But just like, you know, we all have like our, the actors that are our favorites that we'll watch. These were just kind of actors that I was like, all right, you know, I guess I was actually it seems kind of weird I think that's what it was. It was like good actors and stuff that I've seen, but then I didn't see how they were going to fit together. Yeah. And I thought that the for what it was, because it's very much like uh, a chick show, if you will. Yeah. Kind of, if you're going by the stereotype, it's kind of like a chick show. And um, little, I little baby chickens running everywhere. Yeah, it was just just a it was just a like a, a like a collage of various chicks. Great. Yeah. (laughs) And I stuck through with it because the story was sort of holding my attention enough, but I wasn't like, I didn't wait for it. Mm -hmm. You know, not like Handmaid's Tale or these shows that you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, next, next episode. This one was like, okay. And then um, I stuck with it through the end and there was like this kind of twist that's at the end and you're like, oh crap. And I thought it was going to end there. But then at the very last scene, I'm like, oh, I think they're going to keep this going. And I kind of wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. But then it came back, different director. And I was, I mean, like within 10 minutes of the first episode, I was like, there's no way I'm finishing this. Oh, like, really? There's no way I'm going through this whole season. I think I stopped at the second episode of Isn't the second Meryl season. Meryl Streep in it? Meryl Streep's in it. And like, I, I've never seen her more underutilized mm. as an actor. Literally anyone could play that part. Yeah. It's doesn't it didn't require the street for this. No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to say. But it just there's just nothing really there. I felt like the writing was kind of like whatever. It's just the story was like again, you threw the twist in and now it's about how they're gonna live with this big secret. I don't care anymore. I, mm-hmm. I barely cared the first time around. And now it's just like you're dragging the And, and so much of it is because of the type of characters. Um, they're snotty, rich, mostly uh, white women from solar, kind of California. Un- they, yeah. yeah. I have no, I am not invested in uh, any of them could die at any given moment. And I would not care the least bit. Mm. Um, I'm not invested in them emotionally. I don't relate to them. I don't have any compassion for them. It's just a bunch of like uber rich, stuck up women. Mm. Like, oh my God, we have problems. Like, I know you had problems in the first season. Move on. I'm sure you mm. could buy your way out of it. Isn't that how you people do this? Like, yeah. why are we still talking about this? So the issue was that the the first season was um, written by or directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, I believe, who Mm -hmm. I think had something to do with sharp objects. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, and then the second season, they got Andrea or Andrea Arnold. I don't know how she pronounces it. And um, so apparently I don't, I probably should have read thoroughly through this article, but I just kind of skimmed through it. But, uh, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Long story short is that she was not given sort of final cut, mm-hmm. but she was under the impression that she had final cut. Mm. And HBO is like, no, 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 no. That was never implied. Uh, so 
I think it was more stylistically. She was directing it in one way. And then the whole time. Because she was looking at her cut, like like the way she would have cut it. Yeah. And the whole time they were like, oh, we're going to just change this. But didn't sort of relay that Mm -hmm. reality to her. Some kind of miscommunication. or Yeah. Or, you know. And so, but but I think the kicker was that they brought in the original director and some someone else to fix that. Oh. So I think that's where it is, where it's like, you know, as a director, you have another director that has final say over your yeah. work. It's kind of like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> um, so I, I can't really speak for this, the story. So then why even hire that it. director to begin with? I don't know what, that's, you know, that, yeah. that, that this is, this is Hollywood, right? We don't know what really happened, why they didn't, that they were probably busy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, was, was the original director doing something probably else? Probably just didn't want to like the, the, the. Schedule for a TV show when you're just dealing with one director has got to be pretty intense. I'd imagine so. So they're probably like, I'm not doing another season of this. This is crazy. But then why insert yourself, so to yeah. speak, in in the next well, person's work, I guess? They're going to throw a ton of money at you. Some people will just be like, all right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he he did the whole first season. Um, you know, he's obviously a competent director, Dallas Buyers Club and all that, mm-hmm. you know. But I guess it's just... I don't know how I would feel about all of that, about having somebody yeah. directing my work, redirecting my work and stylistically changing the way that I've made something. Because there's some directors, right? Like they don't care how something looks, as weird as that sounds, right? They don't know anything about, they don't. I don't care about the technical they, side of they, it they, all. Well, they don't, but, cinematography wise, they have a cinematographer or whatever. They just leave it to that person. Like, yeah, you just mm-hmm. do what you do or whatever. And they don't necessarily have their own specific vision that mm-hmm. they're that they're going to have their input in they're just kind of like i trust the cinematographer mm-hmm. and then there's other directors that are very visual and work alongside their dp and so it seems to me that she seems to be one of these types of directors that was like well because she, she brought on her cinematographer yeah so why would you let me bring in my own dp to have a specific look if the entire time you were going to edit that to i guess match the first season or right i mean there has to be a, a bit of cohesiveness though i mean sure, it's a but continuation you to, but <clears throat> you also have to evolve and, and trust your directors you hire the directors so you know it's the point of like hiring people you know and then this goes on within a uh film itself you know if i'm going to bring in a dp i'm going to trust that person mm-hmm. i'll give them input and feedback and stuff but at the end of the day I'm hiring that person because I trust them not so that they can just execute what I want them to do. Yeah. Like uh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So uh, it's one of the big reasons I brought Lawton on is I want his input into it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We weren't, yeah. we don't, we, we're not, we're not in the HBO world. I don't yeah. know what, obviously <clears throat> and, and they're going to deny was gonna, it. If I, if I was under the impression that I had final cut, I would make damn sure that I had final cut. Like, so I have final cut, right? I went in my contract. That's why they have contracts. Yeah. So <laughs> if it wasn't in the contract, then you don't have it. I would assume. I don't know. Again, I don't know how it works in the, the studio system. But, if you know, I assume everything you do is in your contract, you know? Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm assuming that... you can do. That the director is one of the creators, I guess. So, you know, was, I guess the issue was that he was getting... He was editing her final cuts. And that her, her, oh, the, the her director final, from the first season. Yeah. yeah. He was involved in the edit of the mm-hmm. final cut which is like you already had your season right so you should have done season two if you wanted wanted to have uh control of that yeah sounds like people have control issues maybe you think yeah <laughs> there's control issues in hollywood what yeah um so another thing 
Wait, you're telling me in Hollywood a guy came in to step all over a woman's work? Weird. Well, you know, I mean, it happens with everybody, but it's just, it's a, a little stingier, you know, you yeah. got to wonder what's going on. Because her, her works are a bit, have always been a bit more indie, mm-hmm. where he's been a bit more mainstream. Mm-hmm. So I would just, I, that, I guess that would just be my question. Like, why would you bring this other director on? So did you just That's not want to do the work, yeah. but you wanted to just be able to because like now if, smash your vision all over it at the end, but not right. actually have to do any of the work? Because now if the season's a hit, they'll be like, oh, it's a hit because we went in and changed it. Where yeah. if it's a failure, they'll say, see, she fa- she ruined the she season. Ruined the whole we couldn't thing. even fix it. All right. So Drama. Good, have fun with that big little lie. It seems like there was a couple big little lies told, mm-hmm. by, you know, on that set. Liars. <laughs> I think. Um, and so this, uh, okay, so this other film, I was kind of on the fence about talking about because mm-hmm. I have, I have a rule that if something, unless it's exceptionally terrible and you're a douche, then mm-hmm. I'll say this was terrible and I'm going to say it cause you're a douche and you deserve that. But if I don't like something, I generally just don't talk about it because what's the point? If I don't mm-hmm. have anything constructive to add to it, it's like, right. you know, and who the hell am I? Right. At the end of the day, who, who are the hell you? am I? I'm nobody. So, but it was, we watched this film by uh, a, a director writer, which I'm always a big fan of. Sure. Even if I kind of feel like something may not be my taste, it's not my tempo, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, I'll watch it if it's a writer director, because I, I just feel like, I feel like nobody gets a story right like a writer director. Mm. Well, yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. They just get it right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Got it. Okay. All right. You want to fight? No. <laughs> so. I don't. No, I don't want to fight. It is early in the morning and I have an empty stomach. I will lose. And you're scrappy, as you have you as you've called me. She's scrappy. <laughs> She's small, but she is scrappy. She kick like a mule. If I don't throw my back out, I, I might hurt you. Mm. Um so we watched this film called You Were Never Really There, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. You were never really there. Uh, writer director Lynn Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And it was starring, starring Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. So it's like, okay. This is a strong actor. At the very least, the very least, we're going to get a, a, a good performance from that actor. I don't know how to feel about this film. Mm. I can't say like, oh, that was terrible. I wish that I hadn't watched it. It just the um, the editing was very. Uh, yeah, unless you wanted to. Have there was a lot something of about the editing that just was showing not showing the aftermath of everything versus showing the actual act of. Whatever Not even that. I mean, I, I get that's, the, you know, people have their own style and they film things certain ways and that's how the story is supposed to be told. And it's supposed to be this very like rushed or this sharp type of way of doing things. But it just didn't, there was no, it just didn't feel cohesive. Yeah. It felt like the scenes were, there was no particular orders, just like things were happening <clears throat> and this could have happened before this and you could have shown it at any given time and it didn't matter. And the audio yeah. Was very very weird in yeah. that we had this like inconsistent blasting yeah. in certain spots. You had we had to raise the volume up so much because in one part the character was shot and was sort of speaking in a very low register, mm-hmm. and we were raising the volume and we didn't catch so many things yeah. that were apparently really important that this person had said. Because at the end of the movie we were like, wait a minute, how did this? So then I went back. Mm-hmm into a synopsis of it from i guess a review or something and then it said what that character said i'm like oh we literally missed what they said that's why we didn't know how they got to that point because Mm -hmm. this this character actually had given this pertinent information 
but we couldn't hear it. So yeah. it was like, oh, oh, got it. To me, and I and I may be too simple to understand the vision of it, but to me, it just felt like it was like a two and a half hour movie that they cut down, and I was missing a bunch of scenes, and I'm like, wait, yeah. what? What is that? What? Yeah, it was like that edit that yeah. just felt like everywhere. It just kind of felt like it was everywhere. Yeah. And I know that you know she took a lot of liberties from the book, and I know Joaquin Phoenix took a lot of liberties from the book, um, you know, for storytelling purposes and to get, cut it down, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's not quite a story that you can tell in an hour and a half. It doesn't seem to be, yeah. <clears throat> at least not to me. It felt like, yeah, yeah. probably would have been. A probably would have been a great series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you find that even in even in a series, if you have a three hundred page book, that's even hard to tell in seven or eight or ten episodes. It depends. Yeah. There's a lot of details there. Um, Sharp Objects was a good example. I have not read the book yet, mm-hmm. but I liked. I liked it. It ended mm-hmm. good. Done. Done. Miniseries, yeah. Very good. Th- this film just seemed there was very little dialogue. Also, the, there yeah. wasn't there wasn't very much dialogue in in most of the film. It was very much a visual piece in that way. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that like I was visual, like pretentious. It was just meant to be more visual, less dialogue, because what was happening was so jarring. I guess that you, you didn't really need a lot of explanation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just uh, I don't know. This was a weird one for me because he's a really good actor, but. This was kind of like Meryl Streep being bored. I felt it was like it wasn't like much of a challenge for him, really. Yeah. He just kind of went like, you know, it was it was the Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Mm -hmm. There's not much. What do you I could just show up and do my thing and leave. There's not a whole lot for me to do here because this is a pretty simple role for this type of actor. And um, I think that this might have been a great opportunity for an up and coming actor. Mm. Yeah. Rather than give it to Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, you're, you're automatically going to get views because he's an A-list actor and he's a strong actor and all that. But um, what I was finding kind of weird was that this, this film got a lot of praise. Mm-hmm. And so I was really excited to see it and I'm going to sound like an asshole. You know, I don't, not I don't trying, get it, but I'm like, I don't get how this was so, and this is where I feel like, you know, there's no difference between all the medias, social medias, news, film. It's like everyone's getting paid off to say something about something else, feed the narrative, everyone falls for it. And mm. then they go, I, I'm sorry, but to me, this wasn't the the performance of his career. I'm sorry. Did you, have you ever seen his movies, but like literally, yeah. literally any other movie he's been in before? Yeah. Did you watch the master? I mean, like, yeah. that was far more of a career defining performance than this was yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm just my lonely opinion so low low. (laughs) i just i don't know i I saw it okay Mm. um yeah it was just like yeah it didn't didn't really jump out at me yeah kind of felt like at the end of it we went like okay Okay. (laughs) what else do you want to watch I, you know, usually when, when we enjoy a movie, we kind of sit and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. And when it was an over, when it was over, the only thing we talked about was how the hell did they get to that next scene? I don't understand. And then I had to look it up and go, oh, we literally missed it. Cause the audio was like up and down, up and yeah. down, up and down. So loud in one scene, really low in another. Yeah. Okay. Audio. So audio. Important. I feel like that, that like the director would be like, no, that was an artistic choice. We wanted you to not be able to hear what people <laughs> were saying is that you had to take guesses at like how they got to this next, I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm way too simplistic in that way. Like I don't, I don't, don't be artistic with audio with me. I want to be able to hear what's happening 
And if you want to be vague, then don't put the dialogue in the film. Find another way to tell that story rather than be like, no, we're going to do it, but we're going to have the person all in. Yeah. So if you're supersonic, you got the message. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you have pedestrian hearing, then sucks for you. <laughs> yeah. No well, Magusta. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a fan of that. If, if that was an artistic choice. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So that wraps it up for me in terms of what I was going to talk about. Do you have, is there anything like new, like funky little toys of yours come out that you like to talk about? Uh, not really. There was, no. uh, so there's this company called. <laughs> he said not really. So there was this thing that came out. Yeah. Well, there was this company, Sigma, and they make lenses. Um, and one of their lenses, the Sigma 18 to 35, is a very popular lens amongst the indie film community, um, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so they came out with, they started developing a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, it's a very, very small camera. It's like, you know, like the little point and shoots you get at like Best Buy. It's like a little bit bigger than one of those. Mm. And it's like a full frame camera and, um, you know, it, it, it can shoot raw if you have an external recorder and, uh, but it, it shoots 4k, but only at like 30 frames a second. Um, most cameras do 60 at 4k, but that's fine. You know, you don't always need that. It does 120 frames at 1080. So that's, Mm -hmm. So that's good. Um, I'm 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 interested to see where this goes. I'm keeping my eye. I'm not going to buy one or anything because you know pricing and availability hasn't even been announced yet. But I like the idea of it. You know, it's a very very small camera that you can like bring anywhere. It'd be like a good B or C cam for some stuff maybe because um, it makes some decent glass. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see what what they'll do in the camera space, especially if this thing is if they price this aggressively. Um, because it's supposed to be, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a stills and cinema camera, you know, it does, yeah. it does both. Um, and having a full frame is very, uh, a lot of people like it. I'm not, for me, it's like, Menza, Menza. yeah, you know, everybody wants a full frame. I'd take a full frame if Blackmagic upgraded what I have to full frame, you know, uh, that'd be cool, I guess. But, you know, uh, <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I, I guess I'm never in a scenario, like I had the 6D, which was full frame and I shot on that, which was. You know, you get a wider angle of view, which is nice, but um, I don't know. I don't ever feel confined by shooting on what I'm shooting on. Mm. So you just let that work said, with like what you've got. Yeah, I mean, that said, if I got a, if I had a full frame camera, would things look nicer? I don't know. Hard to say. I guess we'll never know. Sir. We'll never know. So I got to make do with what I have. Yeah. So um, we were on the Steady Geekin podcast. I think that's going to be released soon. Yeah. Um, so check them out. Mm-hmm. Shout out, Steady Geekin, Reality Bomb Comicast. Uh, Perry Herovis, mm-hmm. who let me know when we were already recording this, like, hey, do you do you want me to fill in? Like, what do you you know? And I was like, yeah, I wish I knew that before, because then we could have had could have had Perry on. Perry on next time. Perry, yeah, um, yeah. And so then also still uh, a shout out to Parlor One Hundred Nine for supporting. Just got my hair cut there our, yesterday. Our our endeavors and film. So and, I support them as well. Yes. Uh, support your Carla local. did my due. Shout out to Carla. Mm-hmm. So um, next week, we will be talking about the Greenhouse Ensemble. Ensemble. Yeah. Ensemble. Uh, in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are going to be doing a rendition, I suppose, yep. of Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. at the Pushkin Theater in mm-hmm. Manhattan. Um, and we are going because... It is starring one of our lovely actors, Petra Dennison. Petra Dennison. So I don't know who she's playing. Yeah. 
We don't know. It's a surprise. But we wanted to go see her. Try to support our lovely actors, yeah. you know, when they're in the stuffs that we can actually go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does the stage work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're going to be seeing her in that. So if you are local, uh, tickets are still available, I believe. I think the last show is on the 28th and it's open. Opening night, I think, is the 18th. Mm. So in a couple of days. We're going on Saturday. Saturday. So, uh, yeah, check that out. I think the tickets are like 25 bucks, something yeah, like that. it's not that much. Like it's not crazy. You want to check out some Shakespeare, Billy Shakespeare. Some actors. Uh, it should be cool. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I, am I as always well. like, I'm, I'm, I don't, I can't do stage We're getting work out of this town. It kid. scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. So I'm always, I'm always check. amazed by watching other people not fuck up their lines. Yeah. I think, I'm like, good for you. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> good for you. Not that I fuck up my lines a lot, but I have that. I fear. think I have the safety net, mm. so it's like I, I'm I I rarely flub my lines. Watch me mess up everything in this next film because I've said that, but I'm usually like really good with dialogue, and I just you know don't mess up often. But the thought of not having it's like, the option to fuck up and re and retake mm-hmm. it's like the actor's version of a test, which you hate. I don't like it. Yeah. I yeah. don't like it. There's just it's like whoa. It's not just me. Whoa. If I screw up, I screwed it up for myself. But now if I screw up my lines, I've screwed it up for everybody in this play that has worked mm-hmm. so hard and didn't screw up their lines. And they're like, great, we're so glad that we hired you. <laughs> <laughs> it is just too much pressure. Yeah. And uh, it gives me the anxiety. So stage work, maybe something very small, like mm-hmm. when uh, Jackie and Roseanne decided to go into, into uh, a play and she got a, one line, which was terrain of beef. I've always remembered mm. that. So if I could find my terrain of beef, mm-hmm. I would consider it if they're like, just go on there, set the plate down and say, sir. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think I got that. I think I cannot mess that up. So I've actually done more stage work than you. Yeah. I don't do stage work. No. Interesting. No. Me and the stage, we no. got issues. Yeah. It was a rocky relationship. To begin with. It ended badly, <laughs> even though it never happened. Yeah. Was it? It's it's the relationship you know is not going to work out. Yeah. Listen, this is we not... I we we have this connection, and I feel like we want to be together, but it is just not. It's going to end badly and violently, and no. Mm-hmm. So I just don't go there. On that note, join us next week. Join us next week. When we talk about our experience, and we'll also be wrapping up our thoughts on crowdfunding. Yes. And our experiences with that. Experience with that. In the meantime, throw us a bone. Throw us a bone. Please. Head over to the page. Please, sir, may I have some more? I have some more. And, um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to us ramble, and we appreciate you and bye. I appreciate you and bye. Bye.